This is the word of the Lord. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For the same reason, you also pay taxes for the authorities and ministers of God attending to this very thing. Excuse me, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. We live in a time inundated by information. This is maybe doubly true when it comes to politics. Politics are all around us. I don't know how many 24-hour news stations are are out there, but there's certainly far too many. We know what's going on around the world in a way that no one else in the history of time has known. Information is at our fingertips. Add to that the fact that we're in election year. We have heard much about the presidential race. We've heard much about uh, this person and that person. And we all have thoughts about it. There's some people we like. There's some people we don't like. No matter where you stand, everyone has something to say about what's going on around us. But do we often think about the way we talk about those in authority? Do we often think about the way we talk about those in governments? Do we often tear them down? Do we often fail to give them respect? Are we failing to pray for them? Do we willingly and gladly follow the laws they have placed over us? Or do we have a sour, bitter attitude about those in charge? On all levels, from teachers to mayors to governors to the president. This passage today stands in a stark contrast to last week. Last week, Paul seemed like he was all over the place. Very loose structure. He covered many topics. This week is a coherent, well-organized argument on a single topic. That topic being the need for submission to governing authorities. What is the purpose of Paul's abrupt change here? Why does he go from one to the other? I think in part he's doing this to put down those extremists who would say, we don't have to worry about this world. They pervert the message of Paul. There are those who would encourage us to reject every human institution, every social convention, the government being the chief of these. But we remember we are not to conform to this age. 
And they would use this. They'd say, hey, don't, go, don't conform to this age, but be transformed by the age to come. And this is certainly true, but this does not mean that we ignore this age. We live out our bodily existence in this age, and God has not wholly abandoned this age. We are called to do good, and submission to government is an aspect of the good which a Christian is to do. God, through the governing authorities, is even now inflicting wrath on evildoers. And we, therefore, are to submit to them. We submit to them in what they require of us, from laws to taxes. This is one of those sermons where Paul has clearly gone from preaching to meddling. It's one of those passages that I would never go like, hey, let's do Romans 13 today. It's not one we relish. But it is the word of God and therefore it must be dealt with. So as we look at our text this morning, we'll see three things. The need of submission. Second, the good of submission. And third, the evidence of submission. First, let's look at the need of submission. Paul begins here by saying in verse 1, let every person, the Greek here is literally, let every soul, let every life. It's not just about part of the person, it's about the whole of the person. Let every soul, that every part of them, be subject, submit to governing authorities. Every person, and not just part of that person, is to submit to governing authorities. What does that mean? As long as I'm doing it on the outside, it's okay. And then the inside, we're going, uh, so-and-so, mumble, 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 grumble, grumble, grumble. Oh, does those grumbles sound familiar? No, the whole of us is to submit. Why are we to submit? For there is no authority except from God. There is no authority on heaven and earth that does not derive its power from God. That certainly can't be true, right? That means it doesn't matter if Pharaoh in Egypt is your governing authority. Guess who gave Pharaoh his his authority? God. That means it doesn't matter if you're under the rule of Nebuchadnezzar because who gave Nebuchadnezzar his authority? God. That means it doesn't matter if you're under an oppressive Roman rule who seeks to burn you at the stake because why? Their authority comes from God. That means it doesn't matter if ex-Democratic or ex-Republican president is in authority right now, is holding the office. We are to submit to them. Why? Because God has them there. Their authority is derived from God. Now, before you stone the messenger, I would like to point out that this is the word of God. There is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Last week, as Paul went through these things of what we should do, he was very all over the place. But he dials it in here. 
Let there be no mistake. Let there be no confusion. Whatever authority is out there, it has been given by God. That means your teachers, the teacher's specific teacher that you have, their authority is derived from God. That means the specific boss that you have, their authority is derived by God. That means when you're pulled over by the cop because you're speeding, his authority is derived by God. Every last bit of it. So the question becomes this, why do we submit? Do we submit because there are some great individuals? There may be, in the history of the world, those leaders that were a pleasure to submit to. But we don't submit to them because it was a pleasure to do so. Do we submit to them? Do we submit to them even when they're not pleasant to submit to? Yes, because we recognize who we're actually submitting to. When you submit to authorities, you're not submitting to the authority. You're submitting to God who gave that authority. But the inverse is true as well. When you fail to submit to authority, you are failing to submit to God. We submit to them even if they don't know that God is the one who gives them their authority. As we go through scripture, we see this notion of authority used in two types of way. There's spiritual authority and there's governing authorities. And that's who Paul is talking about today. Those who govern. And Paul places them in a position above us. We are subordinate to those authorities. We must recognize our subordinate place. This is a common theme throughout scripture. You are to submit to your spiritual leaders. You are to submit to one another. Prophets are to submit to other prophets. Wives submit to your husbands. Children submit to your parents over and over again. Husbands submit to Jesus. This submission includes an obedience of those in authority. How are we able to do this? How are we to obey those, submit to those who are clearly not Christians? We do it because we know as we submit to them, we're submitting to God. This is the why of submission. Anyone who has power, it's derived from God. This is true in the Old Testament. This is true in the New Testament. I've already given you some examples of this, but I love the example of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was this figure who Daniel came to him and said, hey, your, your authority comes from God. And God actually took that authority from him. And he went like this madman into the wilderness for a time. And he eventually got it back. And when he got it back, he said, my authority comes from God. Because God showed it to him. God is always the one who appoints and gives authority. To oppose rulers then to is, is to oppose God. <clears throat> American Revolution. What does it mean to oppose rulers? Resistance is the refusal to acknowledge the authority that God has given. And judgment comes from those who refuse and resist those rulers. So we must submit. It's not an option. It's not an either or. We cannot choose when and when we will not submit. It's not something we can take or leave. It's something we must be doing. 
So how do we speak about those and rule over us? Do we speak bitterly? Do we name call? Have we written them off as the scum of the earth? Have we fallen victim to news channel hostility? Whether you watch Fox News or CNBC. They all play the part in this childish sort of name calling. And it's not submitting. It's not giving honor. As we resist and dishonor rulers, we resist and dishonor God. Ouch. Paul says we must submit. We have a need to submit. And there's a good that comes of this submission. Whoever resists the authority, excuse me, verse 3. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Paul is saying here that God has given authority to rulers so that they may maintain the society. They may punish those who do wrong. They are to reward those who, who do good. Rulers carry out God's purposes in the world. How can he say this? There are clearly been examples in the history of the world where a ruler did not do that. What did Nebuchadnezzar do? He went into Israel. He killed a lot of people and he took them out and took them into exile. And yet scriptures say, where did his authority come from? It came from God. Christians, we are to do good. We are to do the good that we are called to do in the gospel. And when we do this, there will be several benefits that we'll have nothing to fear from authorities. In essence, he's saying, if you don't steal, you don't have to fear being arrested for stealing. If you don't kill, you don't have to be worried about being arrested for killing. Because those governing authorities are there to punish those who do evil. In both, in the praising of the good and the punishing of the evil, they're fulfilling what God has appointed them to do. Paul says here that rulers do not bear the sword in vain. It is for a purpose. The wrath they inflict is God's wrath. When someone kills another person, and that, if that person ultimately is executed for their crimes, that is God's wrath on that individual being executed through the government. But he also says, we not only avoid God's wrath, but we also do it for the sake of conscience. This is referring to our knowledge of God's will and purposes. We submit because we know God has providentially ordered human history. And that as we submit, our conscience are clear. He orders it for his good, or for our good and for his glory. Our consciences then should convict us when we are not submitting. 
Our government, any government, has a job. They are to praise good. They are to punish evil. And as we do good, we have no fear. We know the government is not always just, but we understand where their authority is derived from. And every day we see the sword being exercised. We see those being punished. All those who break the law. We are to not be included in that list. We are to pursue that which is good. We are to have evidence of submission in our lives. Now, Paul here uses, in a very meddlesome way, taxes. You are to pay taxes. Does Paul say you are to pay reasonable taxes? Does Paul say you should pay those taxes when you are represented to set those taxes? No. In fact, Jesus says it this way, give to Caesars what is Caesars. Give to God what is God's. Because we are to submit, we pay taxes. And I don't believe Paul is assuming that Romans, those, those Christians in Rome were not paying taxes. In fact, I think he's appealing to the fact that they do pay taxes. Historically, we see that Christians were very good about paying their taxes in the early church. And he's saying, look, you pay taxes. This is evidence that you acknowledge the authority over you. That these secular rulers are servants of God, and so you owe something to them. But he also says, they are agents of God. So when you pay taxes to them, guess who you're paying taxes to? God. Ultimately, when you pay your taxes, you're paying taxes to God. He says, he calls them, the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. So pay to them what is owed to them. Taxes to whom over taxes are owed, revenue to whom re- revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. He gives several different lists here. You're to give direct taxes, indirect taxes. He's, you're to give respect. You're to give honor. You are to submit to the government, even a government who would come into Israel and occupy their land and take away their leadership and take away their rulers and place their own rulers in there and puts up a puppet king named Herod and doesn't give them really any authority or power at all and who can come in and tell them what they're going to do and when they're going to do it and what does God say? Submit to them. People will often try to ignore the plain meaning of this text. It has been done throughout the history of the church. We don't like what it teaches. Paul certainly can't really mean what he appears to be meaning here. We're supposed to do whatever they tell us to do? What about the Holocaust? The Germans were to obey that? What about Peter and and Acts when they were told to stop preaching? And he says, we must obey God rather than men. We go into these different passages of scripture where it rightly tells us there are times for resistance. And there have been many efforts to answer these very questions and to diffuse this text. Some will say, well, Paul really didn't mean submission at all here. That's really not his point, but that's just lazy. 
Paul is clearly dealing with the issue here. Some will say, well, Paul's just naive. He just thinks everything's going to be good and grand. No, again, I, I, don't, I don't have it pulled out here, but we can go to the list of things that happened to Paul. Paul is in no way naive. He knows what a hard life is all about. He knows what it's like for that government to be inflicting that hard life. Some say, well, he just meant that for then. Not for now, though, right? Well, he meant that only when they're obeying Christ perfectly. And whenever they're not obeying Christ perfectly, then we're all bets are off. No. Some say, well, only when they're actually doing what Paul says they're supposed to do here. Only when they're praising good and punishing evil. This has more appeal to it. But we can't remove the teeth of Paul's teaching here. We must recognize that Paul demands submission. Now, I will say this. He does not demand a strict universal obedience. There is a difference between submission and obedience. There are times where we don't obey. We submit by acknowledging that government is divinely ordained. We submit when we acknowledge that it is instituted by God. We acknowledge that it has the, the right to demand things of us. But it does not have absolute rights over the believers. Why? Because it is a human institution. And it is ultimately governed by God himself. We continue to submit to government even as they refuse to do what's required of them. We can't obscure the teaching of this text. Government is more than a nuisance to be put up with. It's to be given respect. It's to be given honor. It's to be submitted to. But we also can't read this text broader than the whole of the New Testament. We're to give thanks for government. We're to pray for it continually. We're to be prepared to obey it. But we also refuse to give it absolute rights and should evaluate all the demands in light of the gospel. If the government comes to you and says, we have a strict two-child limit, you're pregnant with your third child, you must abort it. We disobey. But here's the reality. If the government comes to you and says, hey, look, I need you to execute that person here just because that's what I need you to do, we disobey. But here's the deal. We're not largely dealing with that right now. And I'm not saying we won't. But we're not largely dealing with that right now. And so we have to ask ourselves, is there evidence of submission in your life? This is one of the hardest topics I think there is for us to talk about. We are so wrapped up in our American idealism that we neglect what God would have us do. We believe there's certain things that are inalienable rights. I have the freedom of speech. I can say what I want to say. No, you don't. The Constitution may give you freedom of speech, but God does not.
Freedom of speech is not a biblical concept. You can't say whatever you want whenever you want because every single word that you speak is held captive by God. So when we sit at our houses and we watch TV and we go, that person's an idiot. That thought, that word is held captive by God. Our tongue must be bridled because that what is what God has called us to do. But he does not leave us there. Well, I'll bite my tongue. I, I tell you, if you have anger in your heart, you have murdered. It's not just about our mouth. It's about the whole of our person. And we are a nation that is built on doing what is best for us. I remember I got in trouble. I don't know if trouble is the right word. But I got an argument in seminary about the American Revolution. And anytime I ever bring this up, people don't like thinking about the American Revolution. And that it probably is not, maybe more than probably, is not a just war. We like to look at the American Revolution and we like to wave our American flag and we like to sing the Star-Spangled Banner. But we look at that and we, we, we like to tie God even to that. And yes, God is sovereign over all things. But when it comes down to it, if we're sitting here in the colonies and we're to pay taxes, what are we to do? Pay our taxes. God doesn't talk about just taxes and unjust taxes. He talks about paying our taxes. The American Revolution, I think, in a, on a whole, is a disobedience of this text. But we tend to prioritize our own sense of justice over God's justice. We prioritize what we think should be the governing over what God has in place over us. And we must remember where our allegiance truly lies. Our allegiance is not to country. Our allegiance is not to our state. Our allegiance is to God and God alone. He has called us to submission. Therefore, we must submit. That's it. And it's, hear me, this is not blind obedience. This is not blind obedience. I'm not saying if the government tells you to do something contrary to scripture that you are to go do it. No, I'm not saying that. But we, we've, we live in this mindset that we have certain rights that I don't think are biblical. God has blessed us. I don't doubt that for a second. He has given us... Uh, in a way unprecedented, I think, in history, the freedom to, to worship. But that is God's doing. We must submit. We must be respectful. We must show honor. Now, I don't think a single person in this room, when, when it comes to respect of our government, can say that we always show respect and honor. And it doesn't mean, and I'm not telling you that the government doesn't often have times, at times, do something that might want to cause us not to show them respect or honor. But it's not about them. It's not about them. It's about what God has called us to do. And as we submit and as we show honor, we understand that it's about God. 
It's ultimately always about God. We must understand the place of government. We must understand where their authority comes from. And if we understand where the authority of government comes from, we don't fear them. There's nothing that they can do to us that removes us from the authority that God has over us. Does that mean the government will always do things that are good for us? No. Wednesday nights, we're studying Job. God allowed Satan to sift Job in the worst way possible. God allowed it. Does God use the government to sift his people? Yes. And what should our response be? Submission. We should be sifted, we should be refined, and we should, we should submit. Because all authority, all authority on this earth ultimately will answer to God. If rulers rule poorly, they will answer for it. But they don't answer to us. Submission must be a lifestyle. We are to obey even when we don't want to, even when paying our taxes. We are to give honor even when we don't think they deserve honor. We are to give respect even when we think they don't deserve respect. Respect. Because God has given them that authority. And that is true at all levels. Children, your parents have authority over you because God has given them that authority. You are to respect them. Parents who have jobs, you have a boss over you. And guess what? That boss has been given authority to over you by God. You are to show them honor accordingly. No matter what we're doing, no matter where we are in our life, we are to be respecting and submitting to those who are in authority over us. Wives, this is the same Paul talks about. You submit to your husbands, not because they're good and special and perfect. Because we're not. You submit to them. Because God is good and special and perfect. And as you submit to your husbands, you're submitting to God. Church, you submit to your session. Because God has them over you, even when they're making decisions. Maybe in the coming weeks you'll go, well, I don't think we should have gone with that paving company. Or I don't think we should have done this. Or I don't think we should have taken money from there. And yet we submit. We submit because God has them in authority. I think particularly in this season, I joked earlier and I said tomorrow is going to be Christmas. November 5th is coming. And there's going to be a lot of things said one way or the other. You'll never hear me speak politics from this pulpit. I don't believe it's the place of this pulpit. I believe it's my job to preach the word of God. But you're going to hear a lot of things over the next few weeks, few months. How will you as a Christian 
Respond and act. As the world is watching you, as we talk about presidents coming in, presidents leaving, how are you going to speak about those rulers, those authorities? We have a city have elected a new mayor. How are you speaking about the one who's left? How are you speaking about the one who's coming in? This matters. Do you want to do good? Do you want to be not transformed by this world? Or not conformed to this world, but be transformed? Then obey authorities. Even though it's hard. Even though we don't like it. We do it willingly and lovingly. Because in doing so, we submit to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to a text like this, I, I admit that I don't like it. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. It chafes against what we believe is right and true, and it chafes against our, our own ideals of what we think we can and cannot be. But Lord, we know that you have called us to submit, and we ask for your help and submission. Would you help us to give honor where we have failed to give honor? Would you help us to give respect where we have failed to give respect? And Lord, would we surrender it all to your loving arms, knowing that you are sovereign, that you will put in positions of leadership those who are best for the time. Maybe those leaders will, are placed there to sift us. Maybe they are there to uplift us. Lord, that is for you. Would we be those who submit? In spite of all, everything else. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen.